Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here together. It's great to see you. Thank you all for being here. We're especially glad to have our visitors with us. We appreciate your presence so very much and want you to know that you're always welcome here to participate in any of our worship services and assemblies. We're so very thankful to have those of us, those of you who are joining us online as well. We start a new series, uh, a short series that'll finish at the end of the year, just be three weeks long on understanding the Trinity. You know, there's some things in life that are just difficult to understand, aren't there? Like, why do they call it pants when there's only one pair? It's not plural, there's just one. Why do they call it chicken fingers when chickens have no fingers? Some things we just don't understand. Why do cartoon characters wear the same thing in every episode? We'll never know why. And math. We'll just never understand math. Some things are just hard to understand. The Trinity can be like that, understanding the Trinity. It, can sa- it sounds hard. It sounds difficult. And when we start to explain it and look at it in Scripture, it sounds a little tough. Our mind starts to hurt a little bit. We start seeing a little bit of smoke coming out of the ears sometimes because it's a harder concept in Christianity. But just because something is hard to understand does not mean that it cannot be understood. And the, uh, the, the Bible is clear about many things and helps us to understand uh, what the Trinity is and helps us to know more about God. There are th- some things we just cannot fully comprehend about God. But that, that does not mean that we cannot know God. In fact, God gave us His Word for that very purpose, to reveal Himself to us. The Bible does not answer every possible question we could possibly have. It does not intend to. But what it does do, His inspired Word, is reveal Himself to us. And that's what we want to look at, is what does God say? How does He reveal Himself and the Trinity in Scripture? Now, the word Trinity is not actually spelled out in Scripture. It's not stated anywhere in Scripture. It's something that we understand from Scripture. And so uh, we need to understand then what it means and where do we find this in Scripture. The word Trinity is a Latin word that means threefold. And it's referring to the three divine persons, if you will, who function as an absolute unity. There are three distinct personalities in the Godhead, each fully sharing an identical divine nature. So essentially, the Trinity means that the God of the Bible exists simultaneously in three personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each partaking of the one divine nature. So the Trinity can be understood in this way as one in essence, three in person. 
Now, there are some false views about the Trinity. The Trinity is not uh, modalism, which means that uh, God shows up in as the Father, and then he shows up as the Son, and then he shows up as the Holy Spirit. That is a false doctrine of the Trinity. Also, the, 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 the Christian, uh, Christianity, the Christian faith is monotheistic, one God, not three gods, not polytheistic. So these are not three different gods. Uh, God is one. And that's what we see when we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. There's some scriptures that represent uh, uh, the Godhead as one, especially uh, Christ, the Father and the Son, Christ and God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then in John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. In Genesis, in the creation story, we see that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. You see the change there. In the image of God, he created him. In John 1, we see this several times, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We also see the Trinity together in Scripture. Look at Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3, where Matthew records, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from Uh, from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Him who? Jesus. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, that's God the Father, with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus' last words, his instructions to his disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The, in in the, the, the end of this second letter to the Corinthian Christians, this, this farewell, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There was an understanding, even in the Old Testament days, even though they didn't fully comprehend it, uh, they did so in the New Testament days, this understanding of the, the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So that's a quick, quick Uh, uh, introduction or look at the Trinity in Scripture. But what I want to really do in this series is spend time looking at each person of the Godhead of the Trinity. And so today I want us to spend most of our time looking at God the Father. God the Father. That's what I want us to do. I I I want us to get to know better 
God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll look at the Holy Spirit next week, and then on Christmas Day, being, being Christmas Day, we'll look, at, we'll look at Jesus. So let's turn our attention to God the Father and look at Isaiah. Look at what Isaiah says in 40.18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? This amazing statement about, about God. So the, the, he, he, no one, nothing compares to God. Nothing at all. God is, is, is separate and distinct and different and unique in every possible way. And then later in that chapter, Isaiah writes, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's our God, this amazing, sovereign, creator, almighty God. Now let's think about the, some of the characteristics of God. What do we know about God. What does the Bible say about God? What does God's word reveal to us about himself? So let's look at some passages. God is eternal. As Isaiah has been saying, God has no origin, no beginning. He is everlasting. There is no one who made him. He simply is God is. When God revealed himself to Moses, children, do you remember the burning bush? When God was calling Moses and the bush was on fire and, and, and Moses went over to the bush and God spoke to him through the bush. And in Exodus 3.14, what did God say? I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. This is what uh, Moses was supposed to say to Pharaoh and the people of Israel as he went to uh, free them. Say, I am has sent me to you. The Hebrew verb for I am means to be. In other words, God is the very essence of being. He is. That's who God is. And it's just... Beyond our full and complete comprehension, who the true God really is, how amazing he is. But, but that's our, our God, the one who loves us. Now, God is the one who is and who has always been and who causes to be. Look at Psalm 90 and verse 2. Before the mountains brought for, were brought forth, or ever you had formed the, the earth and the world, for from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.17, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Another thing that God's word tells us about him is that he is self-existent. He, he stands and exists independent from everything else that exists. He is not made of material things like we are. See, see matter cannot, cannot create itself. You don't see matter creating itself. Matter does not create matter. It, it had to come from something outside of itself. And God is this self-existent 
being. He is, stands outside of the realm of what we comprehend. And he just independently is and exists. And he is the one that created matter and created uh, everything that we know. He gives existence to things. Uh, Acts 17, Luke tells us in verses 24 through 25, the Lord God made the world and everything in it. Being, the, being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by, by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind and breathes and breath and everything. You see, God exists on his own. He existed before us and will exist after us. He did not need us in order to exist or to be happy or fulfilled or satisfied. Another characteristic of God is that he is omnipresent. What does that mean? That means that he is not limited by space. He does not have spatial dimensions in the, and, and is present everywhere with his whole being at all times and yet he can be fully God everywhere he is and act differently to bless and to punish and to uh, uh, sustain in any place at any time. He is all present. Psalm 139, 7 through 10, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost, utter, uh, uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me, the psalmist says. God is omniscient. What does that mean? That's a word we don't hear. That means he's all-knowing. God, this is amazing about God. We can't even fathom this. God knows everything at all times in the past, present, and future. He knows it all at the same time. We can't do that. And yet he knows all of it all at once. That is God being omniscient. Jeremiah 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch. He knows everything that there is to know, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God is omnipotent, potent. You see the word potent there? He is all powerful. He has limitless power. Oh, there might be some powerful superheroes in our imaginary world and cartoon world, but there are, there is, and, and, and ancient civilizations and even civilizations today have different gods they believe in, but of course none of those are real, but none of those have any power that can begin to compare with the power of God. He is the only God that really exists, and he is all-powerful. In Revelation 1.8, John says, I'm, uh, he records, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's the Almighty. God is also holy. He's absolutely perfect and excellent and completely pure. You see the, the man-made gods of different civilizations? If you notice, if you study those, you realize that they're not perfect. They're not pure. They're not always good. 
they resemble humans and, and our selfishness and our ambitions and our pursuits. Why is that? Because we made them. They look like they, they, they do the things that we do. They, 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 they're corrupt in the way that we are corrupt. Uh, God is perfectly pure. Isaiah 6, 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled full of His glory. God is also merciful. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, sins, and I will remember their sins no more. And that's a good quality to have because this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present all God who created everything, who is perfectly perfect and holy, isn't that good to know that He's also merciful? Man, if He wasn't merciful, I tell you what, would be in trouble. But God is merciful all the way down to you and me individually, knowing our sins. And he says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and remember their sins no more. Now, now God is not holy sometimes. And when he's being holy, he's not being the other things, the other qualities. He's not merciful. And when he's merciful, he's not self-existent. No, God is all of these things at all times. He is always all of these things, all of these describe who he always is. And there are many other qualities we could look at. The final one we'll look at is that God is love. Isn't that good to know that God is love? You see, we didn't create love. You thought when you were talking to that girl that you invented love and you, you hooked her with your smooth talk and your looks and all your, your things that you came up with to lure her in. You thought that you just wrote the book on love. And maybe she thought that too. But you didn't invent this. God is love. Uh, John says that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He didn't say God loves, even though many places in Scripture tell us He loves. God is love. It is who He is in the same way He is other things. He is love. Think about this. That means that love existed before we did. You see that? Love existed before we were created. Well, who did God love if He is love and He's a loving being? Who did He love before us? Well, after, I mean, after all, who did He love before us? Well, that gets us back to the Trinity. Because the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in perfect unity, perfect love and harmony. There is perfect love in the Godhead of God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love has always existed in God because God is love. And so when He decided to create us, why did He do it? Out of love. 
He didn't need us. We already looked at that in Acts 17. He didn't have to have us. He wasn't depending on us. Nothing, uh, nothing was hanging out there uh, to complete that was waiting on us. He created us simply because he wanted to, so that he could love us. That's why he did it. You want to know why you're here on this planet? Planet? You want to know I'm a teenager, I'm a young person, I'm, I'm, I'm by myself, I'm, uh, I'm suffering my health, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this. Why am I here? Because God loves you. That's why you're here. You exist because he loves you. You exist for him to love. That's why he said, let us make man in our image. So when God created the world, God, who is self-existent, didn't have to have us. He will exist after us, said, I want to create them to love them, to have a relationship with them. And that's what we saw in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis, right? We saw a perfect relationship between God and humans. There was love and there was one other thing, communication. You see, God provided, allowed, made communication for man to communicate with him. See, that, that was there so that we could have that relationship with him. So, when, that's why when God, God already knew what he was going to do, he already had a plan from the beginning. When sin entered into the garden, entered into the world, and messed up what he had planned as perfect for us that re, and broke that relationship that we had with him. Romans 3, 23 through 25, For all have sinned, Paul writes, and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his as a, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And that's what John meant when he wrote John 3, 16 and 17. The, when, when you, like I've said before, when you understand John 3, 16 and 17, you see it all throughout the Bible. It's everywhere, restated in different ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And that's what he could have done and been justified in doing so because he's perfectly holy. And our sin deserved us uh, to be condemned, and yet he couldn't, he couldn't allow that. He couldn't let that happen. He couldn't lose us. So he had to give himself as a perfect sacrifice to keep us, to gain us, to save us. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, creator, almighty God, who is love, who could just make, Make us cease to exist and start over, said, I can't do that. I love them too much. I love them. That's why I made them. I've got to save them. I've got to offer them a way to be made right, to be put back in a right relationship, a loving relationship where we're communicating. And he made that way through his son, Jesus Christ, giving himself what, what, other, what other God, little g God, in, in, that's been made up by man of all of those gods 
has done what the God has done, who existed forever, who loves us so much he just made us because he wanted to, and then sacrificed himself to save us. No other so-called God has done that. Only the God who doesn't have to, but did because of his love. Truly God is love to go to such extremes to save us out of his love for us. That's how much you matter to God. You, you matter that much to God. Your soul matters that much to God. What you're going through matters that much to God. Yes, that he did all of that for you. That's the God that we believe in, that we worship. How good God the Father is. Amen. I don't know if you know this God. If you haven't turned your life over to this God who gave of himself, put himself on the cross to save you, why would you wait? Why would you not run to him and say, whatever you want, whatever you need, thank you for saving me through your son, Jesus Christ. Be united with him in baptism. Be raised to walk in newness of life. Maybe you hadn't been living with faithfulness and love, that kind of love that you ought to be living towards God. And you want to get that right today. We encourage you to do so. Maybe you need prayers for other reasons. We invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.